Welcome to Newsworthy with Norisworthy. Get ready for some awesome. Welcome to Newsworthy with Norisworthy. We all know that voice. It is the, the sultry sounds of our friend Meryl Blade. And we're excited to have Meryl's friend, uh, the presiding bishop? Yes, the presiding bishop of the Episcopal Church, Michael we're, Curry. We're going to talk about Michael Curry in just one second here. But first, let me tell you something, Meryl. There's hardly anyone in the world more down-to-earth than Jesus. I know, Meryl, that sounds far-fetched because, well, Jesus is God. But read the Gospels and you find Jesus telling stories that ring true from beginning to end, stories you can immediately identify with, stories that make you go, hmm. The parables of Jesus meet us as we are, but don't leave us as we are. In the new book, Down to Earth, by Pastor Tom Hughes, we learn that Jesus' stories are meant to be lived into. When you do that, you and the world around you are transformed for good. Now, do you know the secret to a stronger prayer life, the joy of spending someone else's money, how to overcome anxiety, or to learn to forgive, how to ensure your unhappiness? In the book Down to Earth, Pastor Tom Hughes guides us through these amazing stories. They teach, challenge, convict, heal, comfort, and motivate us. They are the greatest stories ever told because they have power to change the world. For more, go to downtoearthbook.com. That's one word, downtoearthbook.com. There you go, Meryl. Hello, Who Luke. else is down to earth? Who else is down to earth? The presiding bishop, Michael Curry. He really is. Very he's down a, to earth. He is a uh, he's a preacher, mm-hmm. but he's also a pastor, and he's also a very curious man. He loves to learn. Yeah. So, like being in a different environment for him is always a learning experience. Do you he's have a any listener. Idea? Okay, Enneagram, do you have any idea what you think he is? I'm you know, I've, I've, I've actually thought about that a little bit, and... Uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's you see some seven there. Yeah, yeah. I felt absolutely. That, that energy, I, and I think, I think he's also uh, uh, full of empathy, as much as that personal energy, that capacity to sort of capture a crowd with his mm-hmm. preaching and his teaching. There's also a level of empathy, which implies what would you say that that uh, you know maybe he's a Enneagram three with a strong two wing. Okay. Um, okay. Like like the. Uh, worship pastor I work with Brent Allen yes three two wing um, anyway okay so Michael Curry presiding bishop you know that term is I don't I didn't know that term until you introduced me to it basically that's the top dog well the, it's 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 part of it's symbolic I mean in the sense that he speaks for the Episcopal Church uh, not for every member not for every congregation but he represents the Episcopal Church in what is called the Anglican Communion and that is all these various churches throughout the world that began in the time of the English Empire, okay. as the, where, where England went, the Church of England, the Royal okay. Church went with those people. Right? And the Episcopal India Church is the American was, was one version. Of those, the American version. Of the we English. just quit. We just quit praying for the king one day and started praying for a president mm-hmm. in 1789, and that's when our church was was our branch of the Anglican Union was created when we became a nation. And so what most people know this guy for is because even though he is the American version of the English church, the Church of England, he was the one who presided at the royal wedding. Well, he actually was the preacher. There was there was a, a British bishop that presided, but he was the preacher. What's so the difference of preside? If you think about a service as a whole, mm-hmm. it has a person that officiates and leads the service from beginning to end. Okay. And the preacher can be the person that is officiating, mm-hmm. but just as often if there's more than one ordained priest or bishop on the, in, at the altar that day or serving at the Eucharist that day, let's say, 
then one may be the person who is the efficient or the celebrant of the service, and the other actually preaches the word that okay, day. Okay, that makes sense. And so in this case of, this, of, the, of the royal wedding, uh, Meghan and Harry... Do you, can Meghan you call by their Heron. first name? Are we allowed to do that? Uh, not really. But, but, but I mean, they're not out of the intimacy of our friendship, we can call them Meghan and Harry. Yeah. No, the, the royal couple... Uh, they was, asked him, yeah. They asked him. Yeah. And so... They had obviously seen him preach in the past. And uh, so the thing about that is that he was the preacher, and he was preached on TV to a lot of human beings. It's hard to know how many, mm-hmm. really how many there are that saw. But the highest estimate is $2 billion, which I don't know how that can be true. I, you know, I, I actually heard that from a couple different places, including the presiding bishop, which he told me that he thought that was uh, a sort of guesstimate because— I saw that on a news outlet. They said, "Yeah, I know." Two billion. I know. I mean, I don't know. Okay, I just what if it were just fifty million? I mean, that's 15. a lot of people, right? I mean, that's uh, how many listen to you every week? You know, is it over or under fifty million? Under fifty million. Yeah, uh, but but most you know, of the time I'm under as well. Kind of like you have your thousands you preach to. I have my ten thousands. And then he has his millions or billions or right. billions. Anyway, yeah. so w- we have uh, the presiding bishop, Michael Curry, in the podcast today. No small part uh, because of you. Is that the right way to use that phrase? I no, think that works. No small part. I had a role in it. Yes. You were very helpful. You made that happen. And so for that, I say thank you. You're welcome. And uh, people are going to get to know him. And I think they're going to like him. I think so, too. Uh, he is, again, he represents the Episcopal Church and where there's going to be a new bishop ordained, he typically goes and is the one that's the chief overseer of that service and participates in it. Oh, gotcha. Okay, well, without further ado, here he is, the presiding bishop, Michael uh, Curry. And, uh, I want you to know that I actually just got back. I was speaking at a church in Hawaii, and I flew in just a couple, I guess, yesterday, and I am... A little bit out of it, but oh my God, like, no yeah. one's going to give you sympathy for flying in from speaking in Hawaii. Like no one's I, I know like, people, oh, think, I feel really yeah. bad. No one, no but one the cares. time zone differences are—it's real. Yes, but for oh, you, gosh. I'll make that. You know, we'll I'm make used that to happen. it. I'm, I know what that's like. I bet it's, you do. Oh God, it's hard. Yes, for yeah. sure. You, and, can you sleep this afternoon? Huh? Are you going to take it? What do you do? How do you? I'm going to try. I, I, with some help of Ambien, I slept well on the plane coming oh. out, and so I'll be, I'll be fine. I'll just. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll catch up eventually, but uh, yeah, it, it takes a couple of days. Yeah. So, uh, do you know anything about the Churches of Christ? That I know of the Church of Christ. Oh yeah. Okay. Some, I went in seminary with some friends who were Church of Christ. Yeah. And you went to Yale, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you know a little bit about us. A little bit, yeah. Now what? I don't know your congregation, but but the, like our, my you know tribe, the church. Yeah. So you went to tell me a little bit. What? what? Well, we're a um, non-denominational denomination, right? And. Autonomous congregations, and we are typically known for having a cappella singing. Right. Now, most, like our congregation, has uh, a service that would look more like a traditional low church kind of Baptist y sure. instrumental service as well. Uh, we take uh, sacraments are a big deal to us. So, weekly Eucharist. You do weekly Eucharist, don't you? Yeah, that's yes. what I remember. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. one of our common points. Yeah. Love the sacraments. Yep. And so, but we have no idea what's happening tomorrow. Like, we love Merrill, we love the Episcopal Church, but uh-huh. we don't do ordinations, we don't do any, like, I don't have fancy, oh. I don't get cool clothes like you do. Oh, yeah. And so this uh, is new, like, our church yeah. is like, we love St. Matt's, we want to serve and sure. honor our neighbors. you're all and, neighbors to each other. But what is hap- what's happening, like, we're not sacrificing lambs yeah. or anything like that, there's no going to yeah. be fatted <laughs> calf. No. What? Well, there may be, but that's to eat at the reception. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Oh. So yeah, what is happening? Like, if my church is like, hey, what, what, what just took place? How do I explain that to them? That's a good question. Well, you know, I think what it really is, if you distill it down, the core of the service um, is the people affirming their trust that they and the Spirit together have called Kay to be a bishop. Mm-hmm. And they will do that in part of the service. And then Kay will affirm or reaffirm her faith mm-hmm. in Jesus Christ as Savior, as Lord, and in the Holy Scriptures as, as God's Word written. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and she will assure them of her loyalty to that and to the church. And then there's scripture and mm-hmm. readings, three scripture readings, and um, a preacher will preach. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you doing in the sh- service? Uh, well, I'm, I preside. Okay. <laughs> I basically preside um, and then lead the bishops when we actually lay hands on her okay. and ordain her. And that's kind of the centerpiece of the service when she takes some vows and promises um, um, uh, things like, you know, will you uh, study the Holy Scriptures and have your life led by them? Yeah. Um, you know, it's vows like that. I mean, mm-hmm. basic vows um, for a person who's going to be a leader in the church. Um, nice. And so she'll take those vows, and bishops will ask her the vows. And then um, at a point, um, there'll be a hymn usually invoking the Holy Spirit. Um, hmm. And I, I haven't seen the program, so I don't know exactly which one they're using. Mm-hmm. But it'd be something, come holy. One of the ones usually says, come holy ghost, our souls inspire, enlightened with celestial fire. Hmm. Um, and so it'd be something like that. And then after that, um, there'll be a moment of, of, of real silence, I mean, extended period of silence. Oh, wow. And and then then we'll pray the prayer of consecration over her, and then all the bishops will lay hands on her, praying God to make her a bishop in God's church. Um, and, and that's really the core of the service. And then after that, we have Holy Communion, Holy Eucharist, yeah, like a normal Sunday morning. Outstanding. Um, and so that's really it. So it's really actually a simple service. Now, there will be music, and mm-hmm. yeah, I haven't seen the program, so I don't know what music they're going to do, but I'm sure there will be various kinds of music. And um, I, I, I don't think we'll have dancers tomorrow, but there are <laughs> churches that have liturgical really? dancers. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, there are. There are some, and... Uh, but it's, so there'll be ceremony around it, but the ceremony is, is ceremony around it. The yeah. core um, is reading of scripture, taking of vows, preaching, laying on of hands in prayer. Yeah. So we've had uh, Meryl, who's joined me on a Sunday morning, and uh-huh. done, we did a tag team sermon together. Did y'all really? And then, I, uh, I don't know this. if you know Ian Cron, who is an Episcopal so. priest. Um, I don't, um, he was up in Connecticut, Greenwich, at one point, but he came and preached one Sunday, and then he sings. Uh, at the oh. end, like lead us into the the time of receiving Eucharist. Meryl, of course, can sing. We had uh, the f- the previous priest from St. Matt's come over and sing a song. And I'm starting to think wow. that every priest can sing in the Episcopal Church. I know. I Is, can assure you, that's not true. That's not true. I'm I'm, I'm I, clearly one who can't. Because <laughs> I thought that was why I didn't get to be an Episcopalian. Because I can't. Sing. You can't sing either. Yeah, yeah I can't no, I'm sing. not a singer. It's, okay, well that makes uh, me feel a little yeah, better. No, no, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've got to confess something. So I had on the podcast uh, a few weeks ago, Barbara Brown Taylor, uh-huh. who you probably know, uh-huh. and I told her that there is going to be this service at Westover, and I said if she was up for it, I would be more than willing to kind of sneak her in and pull Kay out so that BBT could get uh, oh, right, right. The, the job, but she didn't take it. She didn't take you up on it? No, she, she went back to Atlanta she, anyway. She didn't want it. She's yeah. like, I'm going to stay here. She, she didn't want that. So sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to do that. Oh, anymore. yeah. Well, you could have tried it. As... 
uh, like if you if you do a like a graduation ceremony mm-hmm. uh, for a seminary or university, sometimes you get an honorary doctorate. Mm-hmm. You know how that works. Sure. Um, since like my church is hosting this, do I get like an honorary like do. priest for a day or something? Yeah, priest for a day, okay. honorary Episcopalian, you know okay. all that kind of stuff. Yes, and it's it'll get you far. It, it, <laughs> it, it, <laughs> it'll get you across the parking lot. Yeah, exactly. I mean, all right, <laughs> get better things to drink during Eucharist than what we get over here. We get grape juice. Grape so. juice. Well, yeah, you can get a little wine, but it's barely a sip. But yeah, yeah. it's <laughs> outstanding. <laughs> Do you okay? So obviously, most people know you as the person who did the royal wedding. So I, as oh, yeah. I described oh, you, um, yeah, yeah, presiding bishop, uh-huh. the guy who did the royal wedding. And I was like, oh yeah, oh I yeah, that I remember is. that. Right, right. Do you feel like the like a musician who's got one song that everyone knows, and they're like, <laughs> I have an entire catalog of work behind me. I know, yeah, but yeah. it's just one sermon that people know you yeah, from. It's one sermon. Well, you know, I mean, the 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 yeah, yeah that's probably true. Actually, in a funny kind of way. But the good thing was, it was um, when I was working on that sermon. I didn't say anything in that sermon that I hadn't been saying for years. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really was, I, I was aware that there would be a large congregation listening and watching. Mm-hmm. I didn't really know how big, but I knew it was going to be big. And I knew it was an opportunity to really share something of the gospel of Jesus and to do it in a way that people could hear across various spectrums in different religious traditions, different political, different countries, different cultures. And so I was very aware of that, and so I really wanted to say something that mattered, mm-hmm. that's something that really did reflect Jesus and his teachings and what he's about. And so that, that was my goal, and, and, and so if that's all I ever am remembered for, that's good enough. I, I, there, there are worse yeah. things to be known for. Yeah, exactly. That, that was a great sermon. It, well, you're kind. Thanks, brother. I went, yeah, I, yeah, I went back I, and I listened so. to it this week, and I was, that's, that's a good sermon. It was gospel. It was, it was, the, it was the gospel. Mm-hmm. It was... It was you know, which ironically, I mean, ironically, um, strangely, um, for a message about love to actually have been news. What does that say? In a Christian church, it's saying a lot. What and do you think it, it says? Well, I think part of it, what it says is I think we as Christians, and I say that, I'm, I am one. Mm-hmm. Um, we, has, we have not been as effective or as faithful to living that message out enough for the world to see and know that that's what a Christian is. Hmm. That's how you know a Christian. I mean, Jesus said by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, mm-hmm. that you have love for one another. Yeah. Um, I mean, Jesus was real clear about that. Um, but sometimes we've clouded that over or made it difficult for people to see. Mm-hmm. And um, so that just means we have work to do to, to make that plain, to let it be plain, and then to invite folk to really live into that. Yeah. And so, so on the one hand, it was... Uh, uh, on one hand, that it was news was kind of an indictment, mm-hmm. and on the other hand, it was an invitation. Yeah, an invitation that that message has co- cogency, that the gospel still can be heard in our world. Yeah. Um, and if the, and that is the case, that therefore means we have work to do, and we can do it. Yeah, w- one of the things that was uh, interesting to me, and I, I've heard you since say other places uh, in, in media, media about the royal wedding, is that you talk about. You know, Jesus says, love God, love your neighbor, and oh, while you're at it, love yourself oh, yeah. too. Right. And so that's kind of like a tag yeah. like, that you've kind of added in there uh, that I think is essential. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you can't love your neighbor if you don't love yourself. Exactly. Right? That, that's that's it, Jesus. That's right. But y- you've put some extra emphasis on that. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that? That almost seems like, uh, of course you would. Yeah. Why, why do people not think, of course I should love myself? Well, you know, because part of it is um, I think we confuse healthy self-love 
with selfishness. Okay. And 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 I think there's a relationship. I mean, I I I, um, I remember Thomas Aquinas. I don't know why I remember this from seminary, but Thomas Aquinas defined evil as the privation of the good. Okay. That evil is a distortion of something that's good and a perversion of it. Um, and and the truth is, selfishness is uh, a perversion of healthy self love and healthy self respect. Yeah. That becomes selfish. It becomes all about me. It's all about me. No, that's a perversion. Healthy self-respect and self-love is to love the creation of God of which you are one part. Hmm. So, so that's a healthy thing. That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. But when it becomes selfishness, that's a distortion. That's a perversion. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and so I think there's a part of us that hears self-love and thinks selfishness mm-hmm. and shy away from it. And the other thing is I'm not sure that we in the church have actually taught that. <laughs> What do you think we that, have taught? Like, do you think we've taught shame or or self hatred or or you know guilt? What, what do you think we've taught instead? Well, yeah, all of the above. We've done right. that. <laughs> yeah, we've done all of the above yeah. at times. I mean, not always, but at times yeah. we have. Um, and and you know, um, well, yeah. Actually, the truth is, we have. We've been to church, but it's been pretty good. In historically, has been pretty good about guilt. Yeah. Um, and we have done shame. Um, and 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 we have. Um, used repentance as a way to encourage people to wallow in the mud, to realize how bad you are, instead of realizing that to repent is to say, I've messed something up. Yeah. I've screwed something up. And I we call that sin. I've messed something up. And you know what? I got to get up and find another way. That's repentance. You yeah. know what I mean? Get up and turn and go another way. Um, that's what that's about, as opposed to being shame and guilt and, you know, all that. So I think there's a sense in which, yes, we in the Christian community have done that. I mean, that has been part and parcel of it. But I also have a suspicion that we've not really realized that that's what Jesus was about. Mm-hmm. That, that, that Jesus took people and helped them find a better way to live. But he didn't put them down. Mm-mm. He lifted them up. Come on now. He lifted them up. Mm-hmm. And when he lifted them up, you know, go and sin no more, whatever it was. Um, go, go and tell uh, uh, people what the Lord has done for you. I mean, he lifted people. I mean, you know, even his mama, you know, when, when she found out she was going to have a baby in Luke's gospel, mm-hmm. um, he says, um, my soul doth magnify the Lord. And in the midst of that saying in mm-hmm. Luke's gospel, she says, he hath put down the mighty from their seats and hath exalted the humble yeah. and the meek. And he came to um, exalt the valley, lift up the valley and, and to reduce the mountain. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the truth is Jesus came to lift up those who are cast down, mm-hmm. um, not to put down those who are cast down. Yeah. Um, and and so his message um, when he has that conversation in Matthew Ma- the Matthew version Matthew twenty two about loving God um, you know he goes back and he goes back to Deuteronomy and Leviticus he says you know love the Lord your God with all your heart soul mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself um, he's he's pulling from Leviticus um, and Deuteronomy um, but he the emphasis that he places on it just if you imagine stop for a moment and meditate. And imagine Jesus is talking to you when he says that. That's good. And when you listen to him that way, you can hear him say, love God with all you got and love your neighbor just like you love yourself. Mm -hmm. Implied in his love the neighbor 
whoever they are, mm-hmm. whether you like them or not, mm-hmm. <laughs> love them yep. and love yourself. Yeah. It's, it's so clear. It's what you, I can hear the master's voice through the words. You can hear it. it that's mm-hmm. Jesus. <laughs> and it's just, and I really think that's a revolution of life. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and there are times when it is hard to love yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, that's human. We're all like that in some days or some days. And, and, um, and yet, if you love God, then how could you not love what God has made? Yep. In God's image. In God's image. You got yeah. it, brother. You got it. Yep. And that's, you know, I really, you know, and, and the truth is self-loathing. I, I really do believe that, that hatred is born of self-loathing. Yeah. It is. It's, yep. it's a projection. <laughs> yep. It's, it's a projection. Um, um, it, it's, it's, um, and the way beyond hatred is to dare to love the other mm-hmm. and the self. And sometimes if you don't do both, you may not do either. So true. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's good medicine. Yeah. Medicine for the soul. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's almost like what we've done in church is we've dumped shame and guilt on people and then said, the only way for you to feel a little bit better is if you come back next week. And then we're going to make you feel a little bit better, but then we're going to pour it right back on. Right, right. And so we create the, it's a great business model because yeah. people have to keep showing up to feel, feel I, you know, I'm, I'm not the worst thing in the world because, you know, church tells me I'm bad, but then they say, I'm, it's like an this is bad. It's almost like an abusive relationship. Yes. Some of the way that we've done this. It's you're a, right. It's a dark, like it's an unhealthy cycle that we get in. We and so you're down. saying, let's, let's talk about the way of love because love can transform us. Mm-hmm. Like Father Rohr says, if you don't transform your pain, you'll transmit it. You'll transmit it. That's yep. right. Yep. That's right. And this way of love, like it, it can consume, it can change. And so, te- okay, so I'm, I'm preaching on Sunday. Huh. I'm one of the many pastors across America is going to be doing this. Yeah. And for all of uh, the ladies and gentlemen who are going to be preaching, how, how do we like give this love out and start with love, this way of love instead of this way of guilt or shame? Well, you know, I do think, I, I think there's a constant back and forth. On the one hand, it's helpful to know, um, for example, I mean, I, one of the things that I've started realizing, um, and I don't know why this has just dawned on me, maybe it's old age, but um, I, I've really, begun, I've started saying when I go around that, you know, the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is self-centeredness, selfishness. Oh, interesting, yeah. And if you think about it for a moment, um, but even in the in the uh, Great Commandment where Jesus says, you know, again, he's quoting the Hebrew Scriptures, but you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, yep. all your mind, all your... That insertion of all means to love God with everything I got. Yeah, yeah. And so there's no room for selfishness. Yeah, isn't that... Is it, uh, is it Aquinas talks about... Incurvatus, like Incurvatus. this idea of sin curves us in on ourselves. Yes, and it's selfishness. So yeah, you can't you can't get this cruciform, wide open posture like Jesus displayed. Right. That's exactly. So that the opposite of the loving thing is it curves. It's all about me. Yeah. Self centeredness. And if you think about it, this self centeredness is actually the root of sin. Yeah, come on now. Go, go back to Adam and Eve. Tell yeah. the story of Adam and Eve. What's going on there? God told yeah. them, don't do this. No, I'm going to do it my way. Yeah. It's all about me. I'm going to get it my And so if it's all about me, there's no room for you. Wow. And so that, I mean, and there's actually in, in the epistle of James, in a section that's not read very often, James actually says that. 
He says um, 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 these these um, arguments and contentions among you. Where do they come from? Yeah, you yeah, want yeah, something, yeah, yeah. and you yeah. He's describing the dynamics of selfishness, of self centeredness, yeah. which which is the most destructive force. It's it's the most destructive force in in all of creation. It is this selfishness. There, there's not a war that has ever been fought that doesn't have its root cause in somebody's selfishness. Come on now, that's there's good. not an injustice that's ever been done. Mm-hmm. That doesn't have its root cause in somebody's selfishness. There's not a hurt or harm that's ever been done by anybody that doesn't have its root in this self-centeredness. Mm-hmm. Not self healthy self-respect and self-love, but self-centeredness. Yep. Um, and so the truth is love is the opposite of that. Because if you, I mean, this is amazing. I mean, Paul and I have a, a relationship where the, some days I'm with him and on some days I want to ring his neck. You know, it's just like. <laughs> like my friend like, Annie, she says the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Really? It's, yeah, it's yeah, really yeah. true. Yeah. It's, it's, well, it's funny, my grandma, I don't know why grandma used to say that, but she said, you know, I guess because she disagreed with some things you read <laughs> in the Bible. And Paul, she said, well, Paul was like any preacher. He wasn't Jesus. He was like every preacher. So true. He had some good sermons and he had some bad sermons. Mm-hmm. The problem is all his sermons are in the Bible. Come on, man. <laughs> it's like God of all the books. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and then you think about Paul in 1 Corinthians 13, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's, you know, it's that, that love chapter and all of that kind of stuff. First of all, we read it at weddings. He didn't write it thinking about a wedding. Mm-mm. He wrote it about a church where selfishness was destroying the community. Mm-hmm. Think about the Corinthian church and all that's yeah, going 12 on. 12 to 14. It's it, a worship battle. It like is. Fighting over who gets to do their kind of worship. Exactly. Which exactly. Yeah. They're, they're taking on. each other to court. Somebody's messing with somebody else's wife or all this kind of mess. Yeah. I mean, there's craziness. I mean, the rich get their communion first and then the poor have to get yeah. theirs. Getting um, drunk. People are getting <laughs> drunk yeah. at communion. Yeah. I mean, this is a commu- community where selfishness is literally destroying the very fabric of a community. Mm-hmm. And that's where Paul, and then some folks say, oh, I got the spirit and you don't. I, I, I'm going to heaven and you not. I speak in tongues and you don't. You know, on all that craziness yeah. is self-centeredness. And then Paul injects the, the, the solution, the healing balm in Gilead, if you will. Come on now. He says, um, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels yeah. and have not love, I am a noisy gong, a clanging cymbal. Yep. And then in the middle of the text, he says, love is not jealous. Mm-hmm. Love is not rude. Love does not insist on its own ray. Mm-hmm. Love rejoices in the right. You yep. see it there? Love is it's not selfish. It's no. unselfish. Yep. It's giving. It makes space for the other mm-hmm. to be. That's the nature of love, and it has the capacity, which is what Paul was really getting at, to heal the crazy Corinthian community. I believe that that love, this way of love, can heal the crazy Corinthian communities of today. Yep. America, mm-hmm. the world, yep. um, our churches, mm-hmm. our communities, that the way of love really does. It's not a sentimental thing we're talking about. It's a life thing we're talking about. Yep, and you don't have to like the song says. Well, you don't you don't have to be able to preach like Peter, pray like Paul. Oh, yes, right. Yeah, you got it, brother. <laughs> tell, you got it. Tell the love of Jesus how he died to, to save us all. Well, yeah, come on now. And, yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's yeah, so love is this. It, it's almost like the antivenom to selfishness, and selfishness is. is just like this. Pull it all about me, and even there's some forms of shame which say that what I've done. Yeah is the central thing in my universe. It's interesting in human history. And the story of, of love as Jesus dying for us all says, yep. that's the central thing. That's right. And so love is like, this is, there's a different way. There is another way. Yeah. There is another way. Do you know that, that you know, you think about, I mean, something that I really hadn't 
it's been recently. I hadn't thought of it. It's been the last couple of years. If you look at Jesus's teachings about love, with some exceptions, with the exception certainly of Matthew uh, 5 through 7, the Sermon on the Mount, okay. where love your enemies and all that kind of stuff is there. Um, the exception of John 3, 16, you know, God so loved the, the world. world yeah. Although that one is actually pointing to the crucifixion, uh, but but it happens earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, with the exception of uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan and the conversation about love in Luke, I think it's in Luke 10, um, mm-hmm. with, with a few exceptions, most of Jesus' teachings about love happen as he's going to the cross during Holy Week. Really? The conversation with the lawyer in Matthew 22, it's Holy Week. He's, he's, he's on his way to sacrifice his life. All that conversation in, in John's Gospels, chapter 13 through 17, a new commandment I give you, you know, after the full yeah. water, washing of the feet, a new commandment I give you that you love one another. Greater love is no one than this, but that they give up their life for a friend. Yeah. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide. All that love mm-hmm. stuff. Chapters 13 through 17 is the Last Supper in John's Gospel. He's on his mm. way to give his life, which That's I good. think yeah, is, yeah. I think it's, and I didn't think of this. I mean, I, 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 actually, Dietrich Bonhoeffer actually said it in, his, in, in the book Ethics, which is a book he never finished. Remember, because he sacrificed his life. Yeah, uh, yeah. He gave right his life. Christmas, yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. So he never actually finished the book, at least with his pen. Finished it with his life. Yeah. But in that book, he has a chapter on love and he, he said, on biblical love, he says, love is cruciformed. It is wow. shaped like the cross. It's, it's sacrificial. Mm-hmm. It's not self-serving. It seeks the good and the welfare of, of the other mm-hmm. and the, the good of all. That kind of love is not sentimental. Mm-hmm. That kind of love is salvific. Wow. That yeah. kind of that's redemptive love. Yeah, it is. That's that's a game changer. Uh-huh. And I, you know, I mean, gosh, I mean, how has that message not? How have we not gotten? I mean, it just occurred. I mean, just I'm realizing that's Christianity. I mean, it's Jesus. Like, it's that's, Jesus, exactly, brother. And how is that? Okay, so th- this is the sermon. Like this is the royal wedding. You did all this. Oh, yeah. the, the way of love stuff. You've been like that phrase. The way of love. You've been talking yeah. about that for. Long time. A long time. Long time. Yeah. And obviously that's in the royal wedding, and people hear that and go, oh, this is a new message, and it, great sermon, but for those of us who follow the teachings of Jesus, that's, that's what normal. we're, we've it's, been all trying to point us to that direction. Maybe we don't yeah. say it as well, but that's, somehow yeah. that's been, how that is novel yeah. is peculiar to me. You know, I, th- I don't know how, I don't, I'm not sure how, I, I don't you know, it's going to take some scholars, greater minds than mine, to figure out how did that happen? How did we lose? How did it get lost in the wider culture? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure about that. I'm, I got some idea. I mean, you I you think know. about you the, think? the the voices that are so loud that get the most attention. The reason they're getting attention, in, in the wow. same way that world of politics and the world of business can, we can give ear not to the. Uh, most erudite voice, mm-hmm. but the one that gets the most attention for right. itself. And, right. and I think you're right. I think that's just, and that's that's been the, the loudest voice. Unfortunately, the loudest voice gets heard. Squeaky wheel, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and and so and as a result, the core message of Jesus, um, what he lived, died, and the power that raised him from the dead, mm-hmm. which was the power of God, which is love. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that, that literally raises him. I mean, Jesus, God raises him from the dead, and the Bible says God is love. Yeah. Most stunning statement. Yeah. 
I mean, um, beloved, let us love one another because love is of God and those who love are born of God and know God. And those who do not love do not know God because God is love, period. And so exclamation. So, of course, scripture will tell us that if you don't love your brother who you see. (laughs) Right. How can you love God who you, you don't see? see. Like you, right. It's there. It's, love right. is the centerpiece of it. Yep. And it brings us together. It tears down walls. It, mm-hmm. it, it removes divisions. And I, I went back and rewatched the interview you did with The View uh, after oh, the, the royal wedding, yeah. Yeah, yeah. which is uh, <laughs> outstanding. Uh, I'm glad, I, I'm glad <laughs> this message is in a setting like that. And they were surprised that a person of color was doing the royal wedding. Yeah. And that's yeah, yeah. your response was this is what love does. It tears down walls and it's it brings right. people together. Yeah. And we, I, yeah. It does. I, I remember, okay, they were like, I, I heard two billion, millions and millions of people watch the service. Uh. So don't feel bad. Like, I didn't watch it at the time because you didn't get up at three or four in the yeah, morning I, didn't, I, I am shocked i didn't do it for nope. a wedding oh gee because i didn't if i would have known you i would have <laughs> oh, of course I, I don't, oh yeah i don't know them but i don't blame you they didn't come to my wedding no, i don't feel like <laughs> right. they need, you didn't um, get an invitation no i, I didn't like, yeah I, I, like i would have i want to support love and in, in all its expressions <laughs> but no i, I wasn't uh, but what i did i i went back and or when i got on twitter that day uh-huh. i saw people saying this is the world being introduced to Black preaching, the, the preaching of the black church. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, like, I love the Episcopalians. Yeah. I don't typically think of black preaching <laughs> and the Episcopal church. Like, right, I, right. Uh, I, I preached for the first time at a black church in uh-huh. L.A. a couple weeks ago, and it's a whole lot different than a, a white Church of Christ church. Like, there's, uh, you got to work, brother. Yeah. yeah you got to work. Well, I, I feel like they're working for you. Yeah, like they'll help you. <laughs> we're all working together. Oh, help you. Here, it's like... It, I heard you say this. Like, if you get an amen from the eyes, that's good. Actually, that is true. Yeah. You, yeah. But, uh, and so the preaching was um, what some people would say typically, like, uh-huh. this is the black church. Uh-huh. The Episcopal church doesn't always have that connection. Uh-huh. Uh, how do you see yourself, like, merging those two things together? Well, you know, honestly, it's... It's... A fr- it just kind of has happened. I mean, it has happened. I'm sure the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. and I know the Holy Spirit's involved. Um, for me, it's been more of a combination of of learning what it what's the depth and what is the gift of of the tradition that I have as an Episcopalian, and what mm-hmm. is the gift of the tradition that I have as an African American Christian, and mm-hmm. somehow those two can cohere together, and they have. And I remember when I was, um, 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 I had a congregation in uh, Lincoln Heights, Ohio, um, and um, there was there was a woman, and it was an interesting congregation. But remark the sociology of the congregation was fascinating, um, and um, there were there were a number of older women at the time uh, who still did domestic work, um, and. Uh, it, I remember uh, one woman in particular uh, who's now gone on to glory, Georgia Saunders, um, a dear woman, and she would, Miss Saunders, oh, um, when 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 you preach and and you really had preached, mm-hmm. she would say at the door, Lord, oh, you preached this morning, mm-hmm. you preached, you preached this morning, and when you apparently didn't, <laughs> um, she would say something nice at the door. It's like, well, now that's a nice robe you have on. <laughs> I mean, it would be she'd say something nice. And at first, I thought it was my erudition that she mm-hmm. was reacting to, or that it was what I realized was she, when she said, "Oh, you preached this morning." It wasn't erudition. It wasn't the rhetorical flurry. It wasn't. It wasn't any of that. It was that what was actually spoken 
spoke into her soul and touched her life. Hmm. It was the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Yeah. That was when preaching happened. And when I started, I mean, it, it was kind of when, I, I mean, I don't remember why, the occasion when I realized that that's what she was saying to me. Mm-hmm. That that's when I started, said, I've got to preach to touch the soul. Mm-hmm. And let, get Michael out of the way, or my ego desires out of the way as much as I can. We never get them completely. Because yeah. sometimes that ego helps to push you on, to push you on yeah. too. But as much as possible, and all I know is when I was there, um, during that time, there was kind of a release mm-hmm. um, to not hold back, which was kind of a false Michael, mm-hmm. but I had thought I was supposed to be, and to allow Michael to come through hmm. and let the word come through. You know, it was Philip Brooks said, preaching is a communication of truth through personality. Yeah. To, to let that actually happen. And that's when... Um, the Michael who is an emotional, I mean, I'm like, I mean, Schleiermacher's, remember Schleier, Frederick Schleiermacher's, mm-hmm. um, um, the experience of ap- absolute dependency on mm-hmm. God. I mean, the deep feeling of God. Mm-hmm. That, that's really me. I mean, that's actually me. So why mm-hmm. do I preach like that's not me? Yeah. And so Miss Sanders helped me let that go. Yeah. To release, to release whatever was binding that. Um, and to let my preaching mm-hmm. be me be Christ through me. And part of that was I had to be able to to preach with Miss Sanders, um, who I don't know what her educational level really was, to be honest, but it wasn't a lot. Yeah. Um and 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 some college professors sitting in that congregation. Yep. I had to speak to both of them and both of them feel something. Yes, sir. And that was able to speak to them and that released me um, I, I'm not blaming seminaries or anybody else. That kind of released me, and if if and so as, as a result, I was there to be me. What I didn't know was whether or not that would fly. And again, that was in an African American congregation, so that was okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was kind of okay. Um, and and my next congregation was again a, a historically black congregation, but it was had some mix, um, racial mix in it, but. I didn't know whether that would fly when I became a bishop and was no and had a diocese that was mm-hmm. composed of multiple churches and was predominantly white. Hmm. All of a sudden, I didn't know, and I I remember struggling early as a as a young bishop, you know, kind of holding back. Um, and finally, I said, "I got to be me." The, di- they, the folk elected me, and I assume the Spirit chose me. Just be Michael. Yep, and don't. And I remember my daddy saying to me at one point, he said, you need to be who you really are. Don't pretend to be somebody you're not. Yeah. And that kind of, and so that, and so it kind of just kind of came. Part of Michael is a grandson of an old Baptist preacher who was a revivalist. I mean, I never heard him preach, but that's in me. It's in me some, so that's part of me. And um, part of me is an Episcopalian and all that kind of stuff. And Somehow those two can come together and do something. Yes, now, sir. I held back a little bit at the royal wedding because, one, I had a time <laughs> limit. And, two, there was one moment when I actually was ready to do what I normally do on Sunday. I was about to step out. And I remember I actually stepped out from behind the little podium. Uh-huh. And I looked around and said, uh, uh-huh. you have pushed this gang about as far as you can. <laughs> so I just stepped back and... Uh, <laughs> Come on back. Come on back, yeah. Oh, that's great. When, when I was uh, preaching for my friend in Carson... He uh, he was doing a series, so Low Church doesn't do the lectionary, and uh, the series was entitled Homies. 
homies. And oh, I got up and I go, you know, uh, y'all, I can say the word homies, but I'm going to stay in my lane. And I'm just going to yeah. say uh, bros or brothers. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I'll stay in my lane. You stay in your lane. Both and laugh I, and, at that. They and so we, we, we be honest about who we are. And that's important. Right. But I need you to, to not be honest just for tomorrow. Because I... The executive minister I work with, he asked, how did you end up doing the royal wedding? And um, uh, I, I, somehow he's been led to believe that it's because of your, your, your son who plays for the Golden State Warriors. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're right. So I've, con- I've convinced him that you're Steph Curry's dad. I'm so, Steph Curry's um, dad. So don't, don't ruin that for me. Okay, but, I'll try uh, not to. So, I, I, you know, whatever. But anyway, uh, speaking of time constraints, I got to let you go. You've got a busy day, but thank you for your time. Oh, It's no. been great. You have been fantastic. Yes, and sir. to your audience and participants, God love you all. You keep on loving and you keep on praising and serving Jesus. Amen. And it's making all the difference in the world. Amen. Thank you for this. You keep doing what you're doing and I'll keep doing what I'm doing. That sounds good, brother. All right. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks for checking out Newsworthy with Norsworthy. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You are now adjourned.